and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and my guest at this time is Ben Parkinson from the Department of Nursing and Community Health and today we're going to be discussing mindfulness and how it can improve our mental well-being during the lockdown. Ben, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Hi, uh, thank you very much Craig, uh, nice to be here. Ben, I think we'll start with quite a, quite a broad question but an important question. What is mindfulness? Um, okay, yeah, um, it is a broad question. It's um, There's lots of different sort of, um, I guess, uh, definitions or, or ideas about mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness isn't new. It's It's been around for, for thousands of years, so it's certainly nothing new. Lots of people say it's uh, originated from the sort of Buddhist traditions, but um, the sort of different variations of mindfulness cropped up in various sort of mind-body sort of practices um, from different um, areas. From a clinical perspective, which is what we're interested in, um, it's, it's been around a good couple of decades now. Um, started it, you know, um, looking at the value of mindfulness within uh, more of a clinical context. There, much recent, more recently than um, mindfulness has been around for. So, how does mindfulness help us manage things like stress and anxiety? Um, I mean, mindfulness is all about um, paying attention to the present moment and being non-judgmental about what we're experiencing or thinking at that time. And um, it's been found that this, this particular sort of way of being or this, this sort of uh, present moment awareness is um, helpful for a number of sort of physical and sort of psychological difficulties that people might be experiencing. Uh, but it's really about, I guess, focusing on the present moment not to get um, caught up with any anxious thoughts that we might be having about our current situation or um, perhaps what might happen uh, in the future for ourselves Um, and also bringing about a sense of relaxation and well-being as well. So it sounds like the sort of thing that that everyone can benefit from? I wouldn't say everybody but certainly um, a a large number of people. um, You know mindfulness is used really widely uh, at the moment, you, most people have probably heard the term or come across it or even practice it themselves in, in some shape or form. It's certainly getting used widely in education, employment sort of settings. Um, um, so, yeah, it's used very widely, but I certainly wouldn't go as far as saying everybody can benefit from it. There is one community, Ben, that will benefit from using mindfulness, and that is people who have experienced a stroke. And this is where your research focuses on. Why is mindfulness a useful tool for this community? Yeah, so certainly, um, you know, um, stroke is, a, is obviously a very serious um, life-threatening condition. It affects a large number of people in Scotland every year. Um, and in many ways, um, there's been a lot of progress made uh, with stroke in terms of more people are surviving and living with stroke. And that's really where mindfulness comes in. It's, it's in the re- recovery, uh, the longer-term recovery from stroke, um, where we think mindfulness is going to be most helpful. Often people who have had a, a stroke um, can experience stress, anxiety, and depression following stroke. And what we're looking at or what we're interested in is whether um, using mindfulness is, is helpful for, for these people. And is it helpful to people who have experienced stroke find mindfulness useful? Yeah, there, there's, there's a growing sort of body of, of research around the use of mindfulness uh, for people affected by stroke. What um, one of uh, one of our colleagues, um, Professor Maggie Lawrence, did a systematic review a few years ago and looked at the value of mindfulness-based interventions uh, for people affected by stroke. And what the review found 
was that um, there was a variety of sort of psychological and physical benefits um, associated with that, particularly around managing anxiety and depression, but also um, related to mental fatigue, blood pressure, and quality of life as well. So tell me about your research that you've conducted, Ben. Uh, what did you find? Well, the study uh, we did, um, I did as part of my PhD, was um, it's a very small scale study. Um, we looked um, in 2019, we recruited um, 10 participants, both stroke survivors and carers of people affected by stroke. Um, and we recruited them together in a, in a partnership or a dyad. Um, that was a very uh, particular thing that we were interested in looking at was the value of online mindfulness uh, for people affected by stroke who are um, working with a partner or a caregiver perhaps. And during 2019, we offered, we recruited participants and we um, looked at the value of online mindfulness. So we used a course called uh, the Be Mindful program, which is a widely used online version of mindfulness that's used quite widely in, in the UK. And um, it's based over four weeks and uh, the participants um, in their partnerships enrolled on the course and um, obviously completed the course over that, that period of time. And we were particularly interested in the impact that this uh, intervention, the online mindfulness might have on a number of areas. We were interested in the impact it might have on primarily the anxiety and depression. We were also interested in the impact it had on their levels of mindfulness and also interested on the levels of the impact that it might have on the relationship within the partnership. So what were the findings then between the, the relationship and the partnership? Well, what we found was that um, out of after the, the, the eight weeks, we gathered data at week zero, week four and week eight. And at week eight, what we found was that there were improvements in the relationship for um, three of the individuals, uh, three of the 10 participants um, in the relationship. And we found that mindfulness improved for eight out of the 10 participants. And we found that anxiety and depression levels improved six out of the, the 10 participants. Given that we're currently in lockdown at the moment and there may be some families who are sort of living on top of one another, maybe stress and anxieties, can we up adapt these techniques that stroke survivors use and use them for like, sort of situations like this? It's, it's a slightly different context, obviously. Um, uh, the, the work that we were looking at was very definitely around um, working with, with stroke survivors and, and their carers. But the, certainly the, 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 the techniques that, that we used that were incorporated into the intervention are widely available mindfulness techniques um, that can help uh, people without stroke, um, as well as people with stroke, um, improve the stress levels. Um, and reduce um, anxiety and, and depression levels as well. So certainly, I think there's some scope for mindfulness being helpful for managing stress in all, all different sort of contexts. Um, and certainly, mindfulness being available online is, is a good way for people to access this type of um, support and help um, during lockdown or any other scenario where they, they perhaps find it difficult to attend um, a normal group or, or whatever it might be. Is mindfulness something that's easy enough to practice on your own or is it better if you're working alongside a professional coach who can talk you through it? 
I, I don't really know. To be honest, but I think uh, I think there's there's a place for both. I mean, certainly the research that that we did looking at stroke survivors, we found that there was a, a difference of opinion. So some participants um, really like the online format. They like the flexibility um, of being able to dip in and out of of the course when at a time and a pace of their choosing, um, and they certainly like that flexibility. Whereas other people felt that they would have preferred attending a group and perhaps having that interpersonal um, contact with a mindfulness teacher. So I do. I, I think there's a place for both and I wouldn't like to say that one was necessarily better than the other. I think it's just a case of finding what, what works for you and what, what fits with your own circumstances and preference. Given that we're likely to be in lockdown for the foreseeable future, where's the best place to access information on how to do mindfulness remotely? I mean, there's lots of um, online resources. Um, mindfulness is, as I said earlier, it's, it's, it's been, uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge popularity in it at the moment, certainly. Um, but certainly good places to go, um, reliable sort of places to go are the, the Mindfulness Scotland organisation have a number of resources online that you can use. Also, Mood Juice is another um, reliable source of information. And, and, and there's various other providers as well, but they're, they're two popular providers that I would, I would go to early on. So what's the next stage for your research, Ben? What's going to happen next? Yeah, well, um, we're in the process of writing up this, this particular study. So um, I guess the next phase will be to complete the write-up and, and hopefully get it published and start disseminating the findings. There's also other work occurring at Glasgow Caledonian University. We're in the process of doing a study, also looking at mindfulness for stroke survivors, um, called the Heads Up Study. That's currently underway, and that's looking at an adaptation of mindfulness for people affected by stroke. Um, and that's um, going to be face-to-face um, mindfulness in a group format, so a more traditional way of learning mindfulness, perhaps. Um, so that's work that's ongoing and, and going to be get ongoing for the next couple of years. Um, and we've also got um, a PhD student who's looking at um, adapting mindfulness for um, people, uh, stroke survivors with dysphagia as well. So perhaps communication difficulties. So that, that's, um, there's quite a bit of um, work underway at Glasgow Caledonia University around mindfulness and stroke. And this, the study that I've been involved in was part of that, that wider Body of work. I think it's just um, interesting, interesting seeing how uh, mindfulness is being used. And I think one of the things I'm very interested in is, I guess, making mindfulness more available um, through online sort of delivery, and also perhaps seeing how we can make mindfulness as effective as possible for different for people with different types of needs. So in this case, um, stroke survivors, but um, there's also lots of other scenarios where. We want to make sure that people are able to benefit from from the use of mindfulness. So I think it's an interesting time to be involved in mindfulness research. And I think it's it's good that, that Glasgow Caledonia University are in heavily involved in this in this uh, research as well. So that's all good. Ben, thank you very much for talking to me. It's been brilliant to have you on today's show. No, great. Thank you very much for your time, Craig. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, I'd like to pass on my sentiments as well. Thank want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. And I hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be talking to another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been the Common Good Podcast. Thank you.